the marinade. There's no O in marinade. Let's try it one more time. Ready? One, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> the marinade. Marrow. Marrow. Marinade. Bone marinade. The marinade. The marinade. With Jason Earl. Welcome to the Marinade with Jason Earl, episode 23, and a very special episode indeed. This is the first of our 2018 in review series. I've invited a few artists that I appreciate to record episodes discussing our favorite records of 2018, and then just kind of getting down about creative process. Kevin Maines of The Volts joins us on this episode to discuss the Grammy-nominated masterpiece from the Wood Brothers, One Drop of Truth. Kevin and I go all the way back to the Little League fields of Ocala, Florida, so this was a special thrill for me. The song you are hearing is Holy Roller, off 2017's Raiders on the Southern Wild. You can find Kev's records by searching Kevin Maines and the Volts wherever you consume music or at kevinmainesmusic.com. Ladies and gentlemen, the first of our 2018 in review series featuring Kevin Maines. That's a good IPA. Yeah, I like it. It's it's, uh, it's not as abrasive as some of them. No, it's easy drinking. Yeah. Um, you're the sound guy, but I think I think optimal would be probably about right here. Sure. And you can do whatever you want really with that. Our voices, I think we're okay. Cool. So why'd you choose the Wood Brothers? Uh, well. Laziness, <laughs> so that I, so that I wouldn't have to dive in a whole bunch of albums that I haven't listened to a whole bunch to, because that one got a lot of play. Oh, are we recording now? Yeah, we've oh, been okay. recording this okay, whole good. time. Gotcha. Yeah, that's um, why I was late answering the door because I wanted this organic moment. Right, right. Just ruined by saying organic. It, it's moment. jazz. It's jazz, baby. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, cause, yeah. We we listened to that album a decent amount on the road, and. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm not really one to, uh, to wait for the next band's great album to come out and then do.
do it. Like I, I, I didn't even know that album was out. I mean, I think it came out in February. I didn't mm -hmm. pick it up till we went on tour, which was May or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, because there's so much, there's so much music throughout the ages that I haven't heard and listened to that, uh, if it's new, it doesn't matter. It might as well be old. Wow. To me, so yeah. So that was one of the few albums that I've got into this year uh, that actually came out this year. Oh wow! <laughs> one of the few, huh. truthfully, um, because it, like I said, if it, if I get a hold of something and, and I haven't heard it, I mean, there's as good of a chance of it just coming out as it coming out forty years ago. But that one, um, as soon as the first song, I mean, the first song grabbed me, just because it's got just such a likable, yeah. Major uh, chord feel, bright. That we went the whole, uh, I went the the whole way through it many times. Because when we're when we're driving, I tend to do a line share of the driving for the most part, um, like ninety percent of it. Because um, Joey doesn't drive, so he sleeps. He just doesn't want like you get scared of the van. Um, <laughs> And I get so bored, and Dr Greg drives, and it drives me nuts, because he's insane. He drives the the four-ton van like it's a, a, a Ford Focus yeah. late break and all that stuff. So I uh -huh. just take him out of the equation, don't let him <laughs> drive unless I'm super tired or I know I'm going to sleep through it. And um, and so and I get so damn bored back there. So mm. so I drive, so I get music choice. And so normally it's either an audio book or a podcast or something, but when I get something that you can just go to that's really road worthy mm -hmm. it, it'll get many spins all the way through um, so I take it in more as an album than individual songs because um, I can't sit there and look at my phone about the whole thing and really dive into it so I just kind of get the overall feeling about the album and that one gave uh, a really good feeling I mean I think we've done that with pretty much all their full albums yeah yeah uh, because they've got such a great uh, groove, yeah. I guess, which you, which I don't hear as much with a lot of folk bands, like folkish type of things. Cause folk bands tend to uh, gear more towards the lyrics, you know, and the vocals and everything like that a lot of the time, and kind of the harmonies with the acoustic instruments. With them, because of Chris Wood, mm -hmm. er, you know, and everything they have, it's gonna have this, this like Medeski Martin Woods undertone, that is just it's so movable. Yeah. Uh, you know, they a couple of those songs. Jano Ricks plays a very Modesky Martin Woods drum beat that's got a lot of those kind of clickety clanking sounds in the back that just kind of move it along. Mm -hmm. That it's like it, it's not head bobbing; it's like shoulder bobbing. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll be driving and my shoulders are just uncontrollably moving to the to the sixteenth notes on those. I don't know what he's banging on. It sounds like he's banging on a glass cup half the time. Probably his little shitar. Probably and the little, yeah, he may, he, that's right, he may have that little thing going. And um, it's just so movable. So, yeah, that's kind of the reason that that album, um, for sure, stuck out to me this year. It, it got more play, probably, end to end, than any new album I've heard this year, I'd say. It's so interesting that that, that, that you consumed it as a full record, and I would imagine, I'm guessing, if you're anything like me, that that's a thing you like to do anyway is the is the full work right? prefer to yeah right it's not always possible nowadays right. um and it's and damn it you know damn uh, habits to hell they because of how we normally 
consume music on our phone in our everyday life nowadays and we want to do that half the time I forget to do it I'll be listening to a to an album on my phone unless it's a record unless I'm spinning vinyl mm-hmm. if it's a record I'll find myself clicking around and listening to the first 10 seconds of every song seeing if I dig what's going on Gotta give it, stop it. What yeah. Are you, what are you doing? Yeah. I quit listening to this like you've heard some random pop song and just want to check it out. Like, listen to the album. Right. Grow up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So, you have to go back and, and do that. But, yeah, with that one, it's easy um, when you're driving for five hours because you got nothing else to do. Well, you know, and he said uh, when on uh, episode five when I interviewed him, he said um, that he, he was like, uh, he said that, uh, they used that they wrote it over like a nine month period or recorded over a nine month period really yeah and so they they were like they used different engineers I think they used like four different engineers they produced it themselves Mm -hmm. took them nine months to make and they didn't think as much about a cohesive work they did think a lot about sequencing sure it feels that way right yeah It, it feels like a it feels like a really well done indie album Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. with how the sequencing was, it feels like the songs weren't written specifically front to back, left to right for an album, which is how most indie artists do it because they they get to write at leisure, right? Right. If you're assigned to a label, label. If you don't have any new material and the label wants an album by the end of the year, you sit down and you write your album from one side to the other. Just you know, and it 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 kind of it comes out like a book pretty much. But when you're indie, half the time you got all these songs, especially if you're a writer like. Oliver Wood probably is. He's probably just got stacks and stacks of lyrics all yeah. over the place just waiting for the right moment to put melody in there. Um, they come out in pieces and then and then you get to play the strategic game at the end of putting them together the right way. Whereas when you do that with a record, and I don't know because I've only been an indie artist, but I would assume that somebody else probably has a lot bigger hand in that mm-hmm. in the sequencing of your album than you do. Whereas with this album, it felt like they sequenced them kind of in a way that was a little bit reflective of how they were written. Mm. I don't know. It just feels that way. Like it flows in a different way than a, than a a big label album does. Yeah. You know, and I don't know why that is. I don't know what it is. Um, you know, you've got a lot of those random kind of songs in the middle that almost feel like a Tom Waits type of thing. Yeah, that's I didn't I didn't, I wouldn't have thought of that. Yeah, that. Uh, I forget which track it is. It's like number four or five. That's another thing is I, I don't know hardly any names to any songs because mm-hmm. I just listen to them without looking. Um, strange as it seems and Sky High. Strange as it seems, right? Yeah. Sky High is the one that has that. Do, 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 yep. do, do, it's a little do, bit more up tempo. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That one almost feels uh, that almost feels almost more modern indie rock. Mm-hmm. That one or something that you'd find in an iPod commercial. Oh from wow. From like the late the early, or like 2010. Yeah. It's like that kind of thing where it's some unknown artist that nobody hears and it's got that do 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 Yeah. That really, like you hear it and you go, oh, iPod. Because uh, that's a sound you don't hear. Right. You don't hear that melody with that particular instrument ever. And iPod, would, Apple would choose that to be in their song because you go, holy shit, that's original. Yeah. But yeah, that the Tom Waits one that's in there, that that's how it strikes me. It's got to be, it's not Happiness Jones. Oh, it's Laughing or Crying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That one, um, you know, just kind of out of nowhere. Yeah. That... You almost, if that was a, a, a major label kind of pulling the strings on that, I don't know if that song would make it in there, or it'd probably be like track nine or ten. Yeah. Right? But to put that one right after Happiness Jones, which is a 
you know, almost like a Modesky Martin and Woods meets Motown type of feel. Yeah. Uh, is really kind of random and out of left field that the way that it works, that contrast, when you listen to it right through, it's like, it gives that song probably more weight than it would have if it was not after a song like Happiness Jones. Right. right? It just, it, it puts you on the floor and you just go, man, this band can do a lot of different shit. Right, and then that last part, the the last, I feel like the a lot of that that really heavy Modesty Martin Wood influence comes at the end too. Mm-hmm. Some of those songs are j- jazzy and funky <clears> as <throat> hell, like real kind of esoteric kind of sure. feel, you know, real, real trippy. Totally. You know, yeah. like you ever seen Modesty <laughs> Martin Wood? Yeah, a long time oh ago. It's got to be. I mean, that's got to be Chris is doing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know Oliver. He seems like he could probably get out there too. And Jano Ricks is is insane. Yeah. Uh, but Chris Woods is just a, a like this forward thinking jazz genius. Yeah, it's depressing. Well, and <laughs> how the, it, incredible that guy's ears are. But and part of that has to be, and I wonder about this for your own creative process. Like his, he came up in that in that jazz scene in New York in the '90s, where like there was this crazy stuff going on. Right. And he just sort of was at this magic moment where you could walk down the street and hear this incredible, mm-hmm. you know, this incredible band, and then that nobody at the time had heard of, mm-hmm. and then you go down the street and somebody else is playing, and now they're all kind of, of fairly household names. Sure. But at the time, it's just that mad, like why they, why you end up there, and how you end up there, and mm-hmm. how your choices lead you to that moment has such a huge influence on whatever happens after that. Yeah, totally. A guy like that, he's got kind of the. Um, like the the uh, his path to get there was kind of like how you want to draw it up as far as somebody becoming this really like outward minded musician because they all started with you know the simple stuff when they were kids but the good stuff like the blues and, and things when they're with their dad and when they're young but then he got he got the tools because then he went to jazz school right. and all that stuff before even getting into it. So I'm sure the guy probably spent a few years playing nothing but classical music. Right. So he got the foundation of skill traits yeah. so that when his mind finally really started reaching, his fingers could do anything that he wanted them to. Yeah. Right? Which is, you know, half the time musicians get to it from the other way around. I mean, I certainly did. Just because you weren't raised musical, right? Like purely musical, or you know, especially on the classics or, or or straight ahead jazz or anything like that. So then your mind and your ears start start thinking and wanting to do things that your fingers can't do yet. So mm-hmm. then you got to go take a year to go learn them, and then hopefully those thoughts are still there when you come back to them and you're able to. So uh, yeah, he's he's kind of built like a robot in a lab for being a yeah like a, just a perfect specimen of of. Uh, rooted enough to play in a band like this that's really song based yeah but out there enough to make it interesting yeah you know that's what he does is he just makes it interesting that's so well said and there's so many components to what takes what makes someone like chris wood tick i mean there's also if you've ever seen them you ever seen them live no i haven't no their live show is outstanding Mm -hmm. and he is a centerpiece of it now he's the fucking bass player yeah but still, he, you can't get your eyes off of him. He dances all around, and he's got his big, beautiful, upright bass, yeah. and he like 
you know, yeah. dips it and, and does this <laughs> wacky dance. Does he? Yeah, it's crazy. Oh, man. Yeah, it's, it's really, really fun. And, um, uh, and that's a part of the show, you know? Mm. I mean, the music holds up. They could just stand up there and not sure. say a word and just play those songs. And yeah. it would be, it'd be a hell of a show. Yeah. Know? They could George Strait it for us, and it would be great. Of course. But, uh, but he gives that part, too, you know? You got that whole performance part that comes into it as well. Mm -hmm that takes it to a completely different level. Yeah, which is something you don't, well, I mean, I guess maybe you do see it from a three-piece, but I don't I don't ever, I don't hear sounds out of a three-piece like you hear from them. Usually when you think of three-pieces, for me at least, obviously you just, you go to, to power trios, mm -hmm. you know, from Hendrix and Steve mm -hmm. Ray Vaughan and those guys. And so it, to me, three and I and I played in three pieces for years, and it always felt pretty restrictive. Granted, that's when I was doing pretty much exclusively just blues and stuff, and it, it's just so it's so damn guitar heavy, mm -hmm. right? It's just it's just mid range right in your face for four hours. Um, they get so many different sounds and ideas and dynamics out of the things that they do as a three piece that is way more um, uh, uh, like lightly stated than a power trio is. I mean, when you've got a power trio, normally most of the time the electric guitar player is playing, uh, the guitar player is playing electric and he's playing through all these pedals and they got all these different sounds. They're playing, for the most part, Oliver's playing an acoustic guitar. Mm -hmm. I mean, he'll pick up a hollow-bodied electric sometimes. And um, Jano back there will play keys every once in a while, but Chris is for the most part just on that stand-up bass. So you don't think that they'd be able to get as much out of it yeah. and get as much different feels as they do outside of just rhythmically, but they do. It's like they, they play and you you think that there's like seven of them up there. Right. Even though it's, it's not like they're playing different instruments with different hands, they'll just they'll switch instruments and you forget that there's no drummer on this song. Right. Because dude's playing keys. You just forget there's no drummer. Yeah. It's like yeah. the drummer's implied. Yeah. Which is weird because you don't, you hear of notes being implied. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't hear of an entire instrument just sort of being implied, but they kind of imply That's a drummer. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe it's that rhythmic feel of when, <clears throat> when Chris fills in the bass like that and makes it more. It's just yeah, it's nuts. I think they're like the perfect three piece. To me, they're the perfect three piece kind of folk band because they have so much groove. If it if music doesn't have groove, I'll kind of tend to get away from it after a while. Which is why I usually listen to folk music in like thirty minute increments, and then I'll go listen to like Brothers Johnson or something because, mm. like the folk, the, the the words are so heavy usually most of the time or Americana, mm -hmm. right? The words mm -hmm. just cut you right like a knife. Yeah, and that's probably the point. Yeah, yeah. well, exactly. Um, is to understate the music half the time because the 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 voice and the and the lyrics are the thing. Yeah. So you want those to really be unencumbered to. Really mm -hmm. To be able to get both uh, is is a pretty tough thing to accomplish. Yeah, like at least from a producer's standpoint, I think I'd get in the lab with those guys and just go, I don't know how the hell to, to get this <laughs> where you guys want to go without probably overdoing it. But they figure out a way to just at least on that album, especially to to put it right in the middle. Have you had a similar experience as a producer? Not really, because I've only produced my own stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, so with my stuff, um, 
I mean, I'm producing Gene's album right now. Right, Eugene Snowden for those listening. <laughs> yeah, Eugene Snowden from the legendary JC's fame, local fame, yeah, regional fame. <laughs> um, and his music is, uh, it's certainly it's it's very heavily rooted. Right. And that's kind of one of the things that I think he probably brought me in for was to was to make it a little bit more interesting, mm-hmm. um, and a little bit less. A little bit less 1950s and 60s Motown, mm-hmm. and a little bit more of the little things that make a song that makes song a little bit more interesting and give it a little bit more of a lean, um, with it still retaining its very good straight ahead old school soul groove. Yeah. Um, yeah. But with, with my stuff, I mean, I, my last album was the only album I've produced because um, of mine because I worked with Justin Beckler on the first one. Mm-hmm. Who produced um, a lot of Kaylee Baker's stuff? Oh, okay. Um, Andy, he produced all of Andy Matchett's stuff back in the day. Um, Emily Cop's stuff. He's a he's a local guy, and he's he's gone really heavily into uh, uh, licensing music. So I don't think he's produced a regular album in four or five years. But so we worked with him on American Hustle, and I got to just sit with him basically, and I was just sponging everything that he did in. And then took a lot of those ideas and made them more of what... Like, I, I took from what that album I didn't like that came out and changed it and took the things that I did like and just stole them from him, basically. Just, just, you know, sure. Took all of his process. Yeah, that's how you do it. Yeah, that's how you do it. <laughs> that's yeah. how you do it. And, um, and so, yeah, so with my album, my last album got really far out there. So, yeah, there was... Yeah. I, I mean, I guess when I say it like that, there was a little bit of the same, maybe, because there's a, there's a... My album has a big-time element of controlled chaos, Mm, the Volt's mm-hmm. last album, which I fucking love. By the way, I was playing it earlier, um, and I've listened to it several times. But thanks. Yeah, it's great. Sorry. Yeah, that's that's the idea with that album. A lot is the controlled chaos feel that you got a lot of from um, like Voodoo from D'Angelo. Huh. Ooh. And especially, I mean, I drew a lot from that album. I always draw from that guy. Everything. Yeah. He's he's like top five for me. Yeah. And. And Prince had a lot of that, had a lot of controlled chaos, um, and a lot of kind of those, you know, neo funk songs. Yeah, mm-hmm. Parliament had a ton of. I, I was listening to a lot of Parliament when I wrote, uh, when I was producing that Raiders that album um, for my band, and you know, like it, it Maggot Brains albums like that just have. Mm-hmm. Um, they're so far out there. Right. I didn't want to go that far. No, no. yeah. Those are you've got songs on there. Oh, I, mean, I wanted some. Are, yeah, yeah, I wanted yeah. some songs. Yeah, yeah. But I really like that idea of kind of listening to it and going, like, what are they doing? Are they? Is this? Is none of this planned? Are they just jacking around in the studio? But then you hear a couple things and go, oh no, no, no. For those to be in there, they had to have practiced all that jacking around. Uh, like it, it had uh-huh. it had to be a nice mixture of free form and. Oh, that's freeform, but they, they know what they do. They know what they're doing. It's not just bullshit. Yeah. So, uh, and that's a hard balance to get. So, I guess in that regard, maybe there's a little bit of that. But the way that the Wood Brothers did it on that album, I don't know. It's, just, it's such a different thing because they play such acoustic instruments. Right. You know, that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, their, their songs feel a little bit more rooted than anything that I've produced. I'd like to get. Oh, I wish we could teleport Oliver and, or Chris or both, and Jano. I wish you could teleport the Wood Brothers in here yeah. for a second because when I interviewed him, the album hadn't come out yet. Okay. So we caught up in 2017, October. Mm-hmm. Record came out in February of this year. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and so he, they had pretty much finished it, and the first single had just dropped, which I think was One Drop of Truth. I think it was the title track. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then he's telling me about it, but, man, it would be fun to get that level of, you know, how how is it that you mostly play acoustic instruments, and yet it sounds like yeah. all of this stuff is going on, mm-hmm. you know? Like, um, but uh, the point you made earlier about the about the rhythm and how important that is... I think it was, I want to say it was Lennon who said, uh, John Lennon, not, I say VI, <laughs> not VI Lennon. Well, Lebowski, Vladimir Ilyich, Ulyanov. Yeah. <laughs> Lennon. I'm the walrus. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the walrus. I'm the walrus. Um, the, <laughs> then Lennon said, uh, John Lennon. John Lennon said, uh, the rhythm's in the guitars, man. That's my best John Lennon. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. Thanks. Yeah, Yeah, but he said the rhythm's in the guitars. Like, that, you know, (laughs) it didn't matter if they had a drummer or not. Right. Of course. (laughs) They were going to figure it out. Sure. They are going to make it happen. Yeah. Well, that's how Eugene plays guitar. Mm -hmm. He plays guitar like a drum. Well, you know, what it is is that he does with his guitar is much more like a drum. (laughs) You know? Like when he throws it on the ground? Well, not so much that part. That's more... Uh, Gene treating the guitar like like his dances. Yeah, the, it's <laughs> yeah. You get yeah. him in here one day. Uh, that will be six hours that flies by. Dude, I was go. I know I was gonna have him on once, and then it, it fell through. Something happened on my end, yeah. not on his end. It's the most entertaining not. human I've ever oh I've ever goodness. come across. Man. But like, I think it's I think it's instructive for everybody listening. Just that like last weekend, yeah. Kevin played with Eugene. And it was a fucking riot. <laughs> he's, it's amazing. He's amazing. He, he can go for six hours and just entertain the shit out of you. Yeah, yeah. And he could play, not play. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Doesn't yeah, half the time he's not playing. He's pointing at someone. Yeah. He's laughing. Yeah. He's making some sexual remark or yeah. some joke or, you know. Yeah. And gets away with it all. The comedy aspect of his show has come, come a ways in the last few years. Mm. He's really... It's like Night at the Improv meets, you know, Back Alley Juke Joint Blues. Well, I, the first time, I, I, get, I, I, I would imagine anybody who's seen Eugene has their first I Saw Eugene moment. Yeah, everybody. You know, mm-hmm. and I, I remember uh, he opened for, the legendary JCs opened for J.J. Gray and Mofro back when J.J. Gray and Mofro was just Mofro. Right. Um, which is interesting. We, let's talk about that, too, with, with Kevin Maines and the Bolts in a second, because he, he went the opposite direction yeah, of yeah. what you're doing. Right. Um, but... Uh, they they opened at um, uh, legendary JCs opened at what used to be called Covered Dish and, and it was Common Ground in Gainesville. In oh, Gainesville, yeah. Yeah, right. I think it's High Dive now. Is that the same place? It is. I think so. It's like yeah. that big, that big room that's like mm-hmm. not big, but you know what I mean. It it's almost like, feels like it, it could be a line dancing room. Yes. Yeah. That place. Um, and you know JJ Gray and Mofro, <clears throat> those guys are fantastic. Yeah, I mean, just an amazing band. And JJ is an incredible performer, mm-hmm. and I remember leaving that place being like, "How the hell did they choose this guy to open for JJ?" Like, because yeah. Eugene stole the show. He did a split. Yeah. He jumped off the stage and did a split. Yeah, yeah, that was something. He was a little bit younger, more yeah, like about, ten, about ten years, years more limber. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he used to do the splits for sure. He's a. You're right. He's the only guy that can maybe out showman JJ Gray. Yeah. Type of thing. It's pretty intense. Yeah, yeah, and he does it with his eyes closed. My dad eats that guy up. He'll go oh, see Eugene anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so. we're so fortunate. This this town has 
such an um, outside of this town. I'm not sure people appreciate the music scene or understand what we have here. Mm-hmm. We really do. Any any given night, you can go see an incredible performer. You mentioned Kaylee Baker, yeah. someone who it's just criminal that she's not known outside of this town very well. I mean, she is, but not on the level that I think her talent deserves. Yeah, I well agreed completely. And I don't, I, I gave up on trying to figure out the whys and the mm-hmm. and the whats with this industry. I don't know, maybe out of self-preservation through just massive amounts of failure, you just <laughs> finally go, eh, fuck it, I don't know, I don't care. Like that, that, that's how I know the things happen, because fuck it, I don't know, I don't care. Right? But also, if you're focused on that, and I've <laughs> talked about this on the show before, if you're ta- if you're focused on, um, oh, in um, Sadler Vaden from uh, Jason Isbell in the 400 unit, uh, episode 20, he, he mentioned to me, he's like, you know, you think about all these great bands, like, a, gr- a truly great band that was trying to be famous isn't really a thing. Right. You know, a truly, sure. truly very few bands go, yeah, you know what I'm going to do? I mean, maybe Cobain, you know, like very right. few people yeah. are like, I'm going to be a big pop star. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you just make the music and you do the work and then hopefully either somebody pays attention and it becomes something bigger than it is or worst case scenario, you're fulfilling your inner artist and doing music. Yeah, and isn't, it, isn't that it in almost everything? almost every job outside of the professions that literally the point of the job is to make money like trading stocks or things like that right right you know those guys don't do it to be an artist of of stock trading they do it literally because that's the job you make a good trade you make money right but everything else um i mean i've read a lot of books when it comes to um uh, business magnates of our time your steve jobs of the world your walt disney's your george lucas's whatever guys like that that just that I tend to obviously choose the ones where they're creators, but um, of, of you know visual art type of things or, or movies or whatever, and that that was the main uh, vein running through every one of them that was common is that none of them were trying to do that. They were trying to do the thing that they were trying to do at all costs. Didn't care if it bankrupted them, uh, if it failed. There were, there were always better options monetarily to do things a different way that would have made it safer and were probably a safer bet to do if, if finances was their end goal. But it was always about creating something great mm-hmm. in whatever medium they were in. I don't mm-hmm. care what it is. I don't care if it's podcasting. I don't care if it's visual art. I don't care if it's music. I don't care if it's computers. Mm-hmm. Like Steve Jobs just wanted to create amazing products. That's all he gave a shit about right. that were groundbreaking and different and everything like that. Whether they worked or not, you know, that... And it's not that he got lucky that he got that big, because that was his process and his thing. It, the rest took care of itself. Right. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, the same thing's hundred percent true in music. I mean, in, until you go into the pop realm where they are manufacturing songs strictly for album sale purposes, you know, and looks and everything like that. Outside of that, uh, yeah, there's nothing but the art form. That's all there is. And if right. you if you do everything else, you'll drive yourself crazy. And I, I don't think that I did that when I was younger. I may have a little bit, just because you're young and stupid, mm-hmm. and you want to get into music, and you want to get laid. Right? Well, and yeah, but and you started it like kind of late. Very late, yeah. I didn't start playing guitar until I was 21. That's crazy. Yeah, I didn't start playing. So I didn't, I didn't technically join my first band <clears throat> um, until I was like 27. So like the the balls that that takes to like to, to some extent like yeah. you got to either you know the balls or the 
stupidity. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. gonna say the naivete. The naivete. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't feel like it was real ballsy at the time doing it. I feel yeah, like yeah. it was more naivete and laziness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. wanting to get a job. Yeah, yeah. I think that was more it. I don't want to act like I'm some brave thing for picking up the guitar and trying to get girls at the age of 25. <laughs> that part came pretty naturally. But continuing to do it, uh, yeah, maybe. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the motivation was. Um, I mean, I, I, but yeah, after doing some of that a bunch and not really knowing the industry and, and failing pretty miserably at what most people would think is the end goal, and which was my end goal at the time, looking back, it shouldn't have been my end goal. Right. Um, then that kind of, uh, you know, it's a gut shot, but it makes you mm. really realize how much of it's not in your hands. So all you can do is the things you control, which is the art and which is the, mm. the process and which is the, the product of what you're doing. So those are the things that you concentrate on. Yeah. I wish I would have known that earlier, but I damn sure learned it for our last album. Uh. And I think that you can, you, know, you can tell the difference day and night not that American Hustle wasn't a good album right. it's a good album but in all truthfully or in all truth that album's good because of Justin Beckley the things on that album that, that make people like it in my opinion are the way that he produced it and the way he put it together I mean I wrote all the tunes and everything but he made that thing sellable um, Raiders on the Southern Wild that album is uh, is just all the art it's all the album and it's Far, far from a, a song standpoint, far from a performance standpoint, groove, melody, likability, everything to me, it's far superior. It's because that's all I cared about. I made the thing thinking, I don't care if anybody hears it. I don't, yeah. I don't give a shit. I don't care if I, and actually when I was making it at the time, I wasn't even putting a band together. I was just making it with musicians that I knew in town that I wanted them to bring uh, together the songs that were in my head and the, the tones that I had rolling around in my brain. And I wasn't even really gonna release it maybe i just wanted it right right and wanted to make this thing that had been like eating at me for a while and like i just gotta get this damn thing out yeah and improve that i can do it to myself yeah and then when it's out then you know then a couple other things happen and put a band together and start playing it and you know then here i am and the volts happen but yeah um all the other stuff is just uh, in the business and why people get to where they are i don't know why they happen and uh and in all truth, I don't care too. Doesn't matter. Did you go into Raiders? Uh, you, you had you said you had to get it out. Mm -hmm. Did you go into it thinking about a cohesive record, or was it a bunch of ideas that came together? About seven of them. Yeah, seven of them were there, and I was, and I knew that they'd be in, right for one album. Yeah. And I wasn't going to produce an entire album. I was just going to put together basically those seven tracks and do all singles. Mm. But they were all together at about the same time. One led to another. I'd sit there to write one of the tunes that was just you know gnawing at me uh, like half of my melodies come to me in the shower mm. which is odd because you can't get them down there's nowhere to put that nowhere to put them you need a waterproof recorder I, I keep it outside the thing do you I'll, really? yeah on my toilet do I'll, you seriously? And, yeah and I'll open it up and I'll start <laughs> humming like it's normally a bass line will come to me and then a horn line which is odd because there's not many horns in this in that album <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll sing those into it and then I'll get out of the shower, drop, and run into my studio yeah. and run real quick to like a MIDI recorder and just knock it out real quick so it doesn't leave. Yeah. Because you don't, you never think it's going to leave, but if you don't get it out, it's, it's gone, gone, man. It's gone. We've talked about yeah. that before. That's right. Yeah. yeah. You, you, when, you, when you're looking to write something, literature, you don't get it down. You got to put it down. It's gone. Yeah. So cruel. Yeah. And Fuck depressing. That. Yeah. Yeah. 
And the next thing you have, then you compare it to the one that's gone. Right. It's never as good, even though it probably is. Sure. But you don't think it is. Yeah. 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 Um, But so, so when I'd start to write one, man, everything would uh, lead to the next thing. It was a really easy album to write the songs to. The rest of it, all the -the over-the-top stuff that kind of came out, and the little stuff that you hear in the back, that was all a process of uh, really just kind of letting the song talk to you and and write Mm -hmm. itself, you know? kind of a big fan of that of uh of letting the song sort of write itself and i mean it's a hard thing to do if you have an idea of what the song should be to begin with going in mm-hmm. a lot of times you don't want to change it um or take it in a completely different direction i find it a lot more fun to just let the thing lead you where it needs to go right even if it comes out completely different on the other end and and it leads to a point where shit this song has gone somewhere to where lyrics aren't really where they should be anymore yeah. and you got to go back and write the lyrics again I mean it, it it's a it's a painstaking process um, but it it's almost like writing a song through editing um, and, and it is an annoying process we, if yeah. you if you get somewhere with it and you go you know god these this clavinet here sounds better than the organ but if I don't have the organ here then this doesn't feel gospel anymore and it feels funk and then my words should be a little bit more staccato to make them feel better inside of this rhythm. Uh, and then you, and, and those words don't fit with this type of kind of cadence. So now I got to write all new words. Right. And then you write all new words and it's a different song and you go, well now that these words are here, these things don't lend themselves to these horns. Oh, and then wow. you cut the horns. You could do that forever. Sure. Eventually you whittle it down to where it's like, okay, we're real close. I can fuck with this thing forever. Yeah, just it's there. Take your hands off of it and go. And that's kind of a that's one of the, that's how Raiders came out was okay. was a, a few singles, but as I was writing them, they just they piled on into other ideas of songs that <clears throat> wouldn't work within the construct of that song, and then they really kind of grew themselves organically. It was a, it was a super organic album. Um, it really did just start kind of as a just a one little idea for one song, and it turned into the whole thing, and and then. When, it, when we finally decided to, to go with a full-length album, um, then I, I realized I needed to I needed to give it a couple more tracks to make it full-length instead yeah. of kind of the, the seven or eight-track middle ground or nine-track. And then I was... Like, I had a deadline that I'd given myself that I really wanted to, to hit because mm. I knew that we needed <clears throat> two months of promo for it, you know, a month to get CDs printed, another month to get t-shirts in because my booking agent already had shows booked up like you had a, a run a release run of shows and I'm like I, I, wait this thing has to be out by then or we're touring behind nothing and right. that's gonna fail miserably yeah you know um, we won't have anything to sell anybody we won't make any new fans like they'll like the music but if you don't give them something to go home with they'll they'll forget right There's pass a, on to their friends yeah or... pass on to their friends they'll, they'll <laughs> find something else so we had to get it done and I kind of got lucky to where I don't even remember how it happened because it happened so quick but Holy Roller and um, Mad Moon mm-hmm. were the last two songs that I wrote for that, and they came out like in a day. Wow. Yeah. It was one of those kind of moments that doesn't normally happen for me. Holy Roller is maybe my favorite song on the record. It's maybe the best song on the record, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's 
if you're into swamp music, it's the yeah. best, it's by far the best song because it's yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's I mean, why that, I gravitated toward it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I wrote that song after getting arrested in Gainesville, leaving the high dive. Oh the no damn shit! Show at the high dive. What they threw me in jail? What? Tell that story. <laughs> well, the, um, we were playing in front of this. This was back when it was the Kevin Maines band uh-huh. with um, Dave Martyr and Todd Warsing. We had American Hustle House. So this had to be post. 2011, so it was probably like 2012, 13. Uh-huh. And we went to the high dive. It was the weekend of the orange and blue game. Okay. We played opening up for some kind of one of these, uh, it was like a bro country type of thing. Yeah. Um, which was an odd. <laughs> it's an interesting billing. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> I mean, the promoter told me, yeah, this guy sells out the high dive every time. And uh, he's like, you know, can you bring out a couple people? I'm like, yeah, I could bring a few out. I'm from Ocala. So it's like, you know. Some of the folks will go up there. Yeah. Um, it was kind of before most of the friends of my age started having kids, so they were still able to get out. Yeah. They're all married, but they, had, they didn't have kids yet. Yeah. And so um, so they could get out of the house. And so we showed up, and sure enough, I mean, we drew know, a lot, like 30 to 40. Right. The other guy drew like 10. That's how it always happens. Yeah. Right? yeah. Anybody sells you a load of shit, like, hey, you can open for this guy, unless you know who they are and know they're an actual band. They're going to bring out 200, they bring out 10. That's the way it is. <laughs> so we played um, basically in front of, that's a big room, so 30 people doesn't look real big. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like, okay, we played and that was fine. And well, this guy was actually, I think he was from Gainesville, and he had his uncle bring his RV around back to kind of act like it was a tour bus. So stupid. <laughs> <laughs> like poser shit. And, uh, but he did have a whole bunch of moonshine. Oh, okay. So we sat there, me and my brother, who's in my band, at the time he wasn't, but yeah. we sat back there and drank moonshine till like 3.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. And um, and we're getting ready to leave. And I'm like, you know, it's pretty late. And Ocala's right up the road, you know. Mm-hmm. I probably shouldn't have been driving. I can handle my liquor pretty pretty darn well. Yeah. But probably shouldn't have been driving. I remember looking at the, the Holiday Inn or whichever hotel it was, was right there. I was like, maybe I should just get a room. So now screw it, man. Cal's right up the road. I'm gonna get there. It's no issue. Not thinking in my head that you gotta go through wild roads and all yeah. that stuff to get there. All the speed trap towns. All of them, yeah. And yeah. so I, I pull into um, Walden. the IHOP there on 441. Because I'm mm-hmm. like, I'll, I'll get some coffee. I'll sit here and eat pancakes for an hour. By then, I'll be good to go. Right. Going, and it's just wall to wall people. So I was like, man, I'm gonna wait on this. So I get in. I remember distinctly pulling up the stop sign, staring at 441. And I'm like, all right, I can either go left and go to Ocala and go through. Like, it was like a, a haunted movie. Looking at it, like, <laughs> you know, the trees reaching over the road and it's dark. And, and like crows looking at me and vultures flying. I was like, I can go that way and it's only, and it's right there. It's like 20 miles. I was like, I should be able to do that. I can take this thing around, around Talladega right now. I'm good. I was like, or I can make a right and go back down University and go all the way to I-75. I was like, I gotta go past campus. And, you know, then I can get there. I go, that's the long way. Man, I can get it. It's right there. Yeah. And so I, I'm making a left. So I make a left. Man, it wasn't 20 feet. <laughs> right when I turn left. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 20 feet. Oh, All right, it was old tro- Trooper Murphy. And his name's in the song, actually. Oh, um, man. Trooper Murphy pulls and you, me you dropped 441 in there, too, right? In, in the song? I think it is in the song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Song. I, Gainesville PD's in there. GPD's trying to yeah. catch me. Is in there. So yeah, on, the, on the 441. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they, um, they... They pull me out, and they go rummaging through my car and, and rifling around all my stuff. And he finds my um, my glass slide here. 
in my cars. I said, got them playing gigs. So I got my glass yeah. light, which if you don't know what that is, it's a, just a little, you know, an old kind of pill bottle that they probably used during the Depression era or something. Right. Made out of glass. And it kind of looks like the type of thing that, I don't know, maybe cocaine dealers would store their coke or crack yeah. in in the 80s or something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I'm yeah. pretty sure we've gone past that by now. But I don't know. But... Anyway, he wanted to like confiscate it. Because if you look at it, it kind of looks like it's got some residue in there, yeah. which is just salt and sweat from my hand. Right. So he wanted to take it. I'm like, man, you can't take that. It's the last one I got. I got another show in two days. I need that thing. I don't want to use other. And he's like, no. And I go, I swear to you, it's a musical instrument. Let me show you. I'll play my acoustic guitars in the back. He's like, let me play it real quick, and you won't take it. He's like, absolutely. So I sat on the back of my car, and I played a few bars of, of Folsom Prison Blues because I knew they were getting ready to take me to jail. <laughs> so so I did that, and he's like, okay, fine. I won't take it. Just throw it in the back. It's fine. And I tried to use that as, I was like, you know, can I, I was like, I played you a song. Can that can get me out of there? Yeah, Come on, yeah, that seems like a fair, fair trade. And he's like, no, absolutely not. I probably sounded like Shit. Probably, yeah, it probably, yeah, yeah. It probably dug more of my own grave right. trying to play it. It's got no musician. Yeah, he's like, I know Folsom Prison Blues, and that's not it. <laughs> um, so yeah, so pretty, pretty typical, you know, Central Florida guy story. I think yeah. every single one of us has been. I don't know how I'm. Know. Yeah, I've dodged that. Bullet, have you really? Yeah, I have, but. Um, but dude, I've done all that shit you just described. I just haven't had a cop want take me to jail somehow. Yeah. Well, that was kind of my rationale behind it is when they finally got me in it, you know, the first time they dropped it, of course, like they always do. Um, they, uh, uh, shit, what was I going to say? Um, I figured I owed them one over the years. Right. I was like, I probably owe you guys a couple <laughs> for this. I don't mind. Let's, let's go ahead. <laughs> you know, I mean, as soon as they, yeah, I was kind of a smart ass too, uh, idea but they were they were going i was going anyway i knew right when yeah going. i'm like well this is yeah well they the other guy told me that they had just like we're in the car and kind of because at this point i'm sort of happy drunk yeah the back yeah. of the car and i know my, the deal here so like, no, yeah i'm just like yeah. so I'm, I'm messing around with them and having good times they were nice guys um and my dad's a cop so i was right you know, I, i'm not gonna call him pieces of shit right and I, I get it just do your job and my bad um and so we were in the car, but he told me, he goes, he's like, man, you almost made it. He goes, we, we had a roadblock there because it was orange and blue night. Yeah. We had a roadblock there uh, all night, just lining them up and just marching them to jail. Yeah. And, um, and he goes, you were, you were our last one. We had just shut it down and we were about to go in. And right when we saw you roll through that stop sign, of which I answered, I didn't, but go ahead. Um, <laughs> cause I know what I did, but anyway, go ahead. He goes, uh, he's like, we basically flipped a coin. We're like, should we let this one go? Nah, screw it. Let's pull him over. No Yeah, because that's why they pulled me over for saying they, I rolled through the stop sign, which I still did not. But that's what they pulled you me over You feel confident you did not? Yeah, because I legitimately remember stopping at it and looking down the evil road. And uh, I think I was stopped there for five minutes because I was like, should I go that way or should I go this way? And I thought about it, man, yeah. for... Like they, they but you probably had moonshine all night, so five minutes might have been like maybe yeah. Less I, than I, a I probably, I probably flew right through the damn thing, and like swerved across on sped nature, up, right? sped yeah. up through the stop yeah, sign. Of course, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm reasonable. I guess anything's possible. But yeah, but so anyway, so that's how that that song. Uh, I hadn't even thought about it in like five years because I did all the stuff that you do and the hoops that make you jump through, and you know, got it. 
If you've never had one of those, don't get one. It's just, mm. it's just awful. I, I, I wanted to do the jail time instead of all the stuff. Like I asked my lawyer, I go, can I just like go to jail for maybe a week or something in general pop, and and then I don't have to go to rehab for like two years. And he's like, no, no, no. If you do that, they're gonna make you do the other stuff too. I'm like, well, then that that doesn't. Yeah. I was like, I feel like I should be able to trade one for the other. Like I'm not going to jail. Like trading a song for getting away with it. That's right. Yeah. It feels like I should be able to do that. Feels fair. Yeah. Feels fair. Not. uh, Yeah. Because they. Yeah. They make you. Like they put me in rehab with, uh, you know, heroin addicts. Right. For like a year. That's crazy. And I'm just going. I'm going. Yeah. Yeah. I drink maybe once a month. Yeah. I'm not a big drinker. Uh, And they're all over here, just like, yeah, my. I flushed my life down the toilet from heroin. I would feel bad. They'd come to me and just go, well, how was your week? And it was pretty good. Uh, <laughs> you know, went to work. It was fine. Do you have anything to drink? No, because I usually don't. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, it was it's kind of awkward. They yeah. They do all that stuff. But anyway, so that's how that song got on the album. And then uh, the song Mad Moon got on. Um, I kind of ripped off a little bit of it in all truth, or at least one part of it from... I just heard uh, Thomas Wynn and the Believers, a new mm-hmm. album that came out last year. Mm-hmm. And it's a great album. Yeah. <clears throat> really well produced, too. Really, There's really cool, interesting stuff in there that, that is my favorite part of that band because it, there's a sh- ton of rock and roll bands out there, but not a lot of them are really interesting to me. Their album is good music to begin with, but it's also interesting. Mm-hmm. There's some interesting shit going on in there that is really grabs my ear. But the beginning is the the harmonies that him and his sister sing on the first song, Man at a Time, I think. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was so cool because I, I rarely hear that. It's almost like a like an Indian type of chant that they're doing. Really cool. So because of that, it hit my ear so heavy that um, I was like, I need an element sort of like that. And I just gotten done watching American Werewolf in London, which is one of my favorite movies. I watch mm-hmm. it probably once a year. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I went home and I'm messing with music and I lay down that harmony, <clears throat> something kind of similar in that vein of just kind of a chanting type of thing, um, but with a little bit more, it's a little bit more kind of R&B and, and kind of bluesy, you know, as opposed to theirs, it was a little bit more rock. And uh, and bought in, brought in like a, a gyro to play on it in the, the beginning opening part. And then the rest of the song is just a, it's lyrics about the movie. It's a, it's a movie song. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's completely just about American Werewolf in in London. Huh. Yeah, which I'd never done before. Yeah. Um, but it, I was just feeling really good about it. And I was like, you know, Led Zeppelin used to write songs about Lord of the Rings. Right. <laughs> all those like, songs about gold. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, a lot of them. <laughs> and, um, and it just felt really good. And the music I was writing was kind of dark. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, that song, it's just, it's just a song that should have been in that movie, basically. It's all it is. Oh, man, that's great. Yeah. But those two wrote themselves in like a day. That's fantastic. You know, so I was able to get that album done. Cool. Yeah, so. Dude, can you play us something? I can, yeah. I can do that. I brought I brought this guitar. Okay. Because it, uh, I was just going to use yours. Yeah. I was practicing these tunes on, on a, a really nice acoustic guitar that I have. Mm-hmm. Of a really reputable, expensive, <laughs> you know, brand but I hate the way it sounds oh, sounds wow. like shit so if you ask me and this thing's 50 bucks that I got from a pawn shop in Ocala oh, shit. I forget which one yeah like 12 years ago and I just and the other one was in a case because I played a charity event last night and I didn't want to break it out so I just I was practicing on this one today and I was like damn this one sounds better than the other one yeah 
Yeah, that one sticks a Fender 12 string that I ripped half the strings off of. And it ended up, uh, yeah, so I kind of wanted to play this one. What's that? Is, that, is it good, you think? It's supposed to do and the rain keeps coming and the rain keeps coming I must have called you 99 times but I couldn't get through and the rain keeps coming yeah the rain And the rain keeps coming And the rain keeps coming Nothing's ever for certain Until the levee breaks down The water comes in and the river The river takes the town shelter at the high school gym and got blankets and food oh but you won't sleep easy oh you won't sleep easy it's been a few days since I heard any word from you and I don't sleep easy oh I don't sleep and the rain keeps coming And the rain keeps coming Yeah, and the rain keeps coming Oh, and the rain keeps coming Nothing's ever for certain Until the levee breaks down The water comes in in the river River takes the town. Yeah, the river takes the town. Yeah, the river takes the town. call if your house gets washed away it'll never be the same no it'll never be the same when you held my hand and kissed me on the very first day no 
singing a Wood Brothers song, it's hard not to go full. He's got a voice like Willie Nelson. Uh, to where it's hard, yeah. it's got just enough of that kind of like nasally thing to it to uh, where it's hard to not just do an impression. Because uh, wow. it's that uh, distinctive and that you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Like it's Yeah. I like when Willie's playing, you know, I'll be like there was a time of the preacher. It's hard not to do it's that. It's hard not to sink through your nose. It's hard, yeah, yeah, just because it's, it, it's got that bite where it just grabs you. And Woods is uh, a lot smoother than that. Yeah. But he's got just a hint of it to where when yeah. you're singing, you're just like, River takes the town, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so that was that. You want me to do uh, one more? You want me to do one mine? Yeah, that's, I was going to ask that. Yeah, I'll do. Uh, so this one, I think we're going to put it on the new album, uh, the new EP. When is, what, any time after that? Nah, not really. We're just, yeah. I'm taking my time with it. Um, yeah. Going a lot more jazz with the new album, but this song is a, is, it's just a folk song. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. We'll see how it fits, but the lyrics on it are probably better than anything else that'll be on the album, but I can't figure out a way to, like, give it the low end that I need, but we'll see. Let's see. Sometimes love ain't enough. Lay you down, make you tough. Sometimes love make you stay, make you turn and walk away. When pressure's on the levee, there's panic in the town. If those walls begin to fall, I keep you safe and sound because I can be a bastard. You can be a liar, smoking cigarettes down in the basement. 
with the house on fire. Say everybody's dying Some a little faster Oh, losing track of time Has become easier than laughter Put like that Waylon Jennings <laughs> 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 Oh my God, oh, I love like, that 
put put a little old school country right in the Well, I, Hank Williams nope. is what I thought. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, I'm, I'm so lonesome I could cry kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Very in there. Yeah, kind of the, oh the one to five bass line. Great tune, man. Thanks, man. Appreciate Holy it. shit, that hit me pretty hard. Yeah. I think that's probably one of my better lyrical ones. Did the lyrics come first? <laughs> the lyrics came uh, first for that one, yeah. And that's kind of the beauty about the technology that we live in nowadays. You can write music so many different ways. Yeah. You used to write, I used to write linear, just right. like most singer-songwriters. Start banging around on the guitar, you write song, some songs with it, see what lyrics fit, or you pull your lyrics out of your drawer and you see what fits with the thing, or you know, or maybe it hit. Now, you know, I'll open up Logic and I have a, at my disposal every instrument ever known to man. Right, right. And I can... Start, uh, start a, and they have these intuitive drum beats on there where I could start with a, a drum beat that really feels good, and then a bass line comes, and then like I said, all the instruments, other instruments come, and then, and then the song writes itself. But then every once in a while, I'll sit down with you know that, and it just it comes out left to right again. Right. Makes it really, uh, it makes it really tough to get stuck in a rut. Um, That's cool. Lyrics, right? The, yeah, lyrics. You'll always get stuck in a rut. Sure. It's writing, you, man. Yeah, you get it. Just, totally it's words it. to paper. Yeah. It, uh, you know, you go through the periods where everything sounds stupid. Yeah. Absolutely. I just got out of one. You get out? Yeah. Welcome back. Yeah. It's <sighs> fucking feels good, man. But it's doing work. Yeah. I mean, I've been doing the artist way. Julie Cameron's the artist way. Getting, I've been doing my morning pages every morning. Oh, shit. Yeah. I was yeah. in a funk for a while where I was like, I'm an idiot. Just blast into paper. Yeah. So you've been there? Yeah. Yep. Just every morning, sometimes it's just like, I just ate breakfast, sure. you know? Yeah. I mean, just whatever, just wrote. And it clicked. Finally yeah, clicked. finally clicked. But there but there are other things, because I'm telling you, like, we were talking before off mic about how my phone died the other day. Dude, I'm, I'm, it's the happiest I've been. The happiest three-day stretch of... How about that? I, I can't remember the last time I was this happy. Damn. I mean, again, Chris isn't happy about it, because <laughs> she can't get a hold of me, but... <laughs> right. But I'm, fucking, I'm just on cloud nine all, all the time. Even like I had a motherfucker of a day at work yesterday. Mm-hmm. Just like, just about everything that could go wrong went went wrong. Yeah. Right. I mean Wednesday, actually Wednesday through Friday. Whoa. But I didn't have my phone, and I'm sure there are other factors. I'm mm-hmm. sure that I'm coming out of that creative funk, and you know I'm sure there are other things that are. Um, I've been eating a little bit better the last few days. Sure, there's all kind of variables. Of course, right? yeah. yeah, environment. Yep, but I, I I feel very confident that not having the phone and not people can't get a hold of me all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't. I'm not checking it constantly. I mean, iPhones are addicted. Terribly. Terribly addicted. It's a really bad way. Yeah, and I like I, I went I walked to work yesterday. It was just a perfect day, and I'm about 1.7 miles from work. Mm-hmm. So I walked to work. I got out of the house in enough time because I was so relaxed when I woke up that I woke up instead of hitting my snooze 14 times I woke up and was like well I want to do my morning pages and drink my coffee yeah. and uh, I walked to work and so on the way back um, I was thinking about it like normally on the way back when if I'm walking almost two miles by about a quarter of the way through I'm, I'm on my phone for a second you know or I've got my headphones mm-hmm. you know which um, not that there's anything wrong with listening to music on sure. your way home or a podcast but it was interesting what I've noticed. Like I noticed there's a little skeleton of an insect on the window pane. Yeah. And that thing had to has to have been there since we moved in back in June, you know? It yeah. looks like it's been there forever. Never noticed it. This morning I noticed <laughs> so, it. So are you saying that not having your phone 
It's almost like how they say when you go blind or lose one of your senses, all your other senses. <laughs> yeah, get, I think that's what it so, is. So you don't have your phone, you've got Spidey sense for yeah. everything else. I'm invincible now. Wow. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Yep. It's amazing. You want to throw my phone in the river? Yeah. Well, I mean, I do too. I got We got to figure out a compromise. Um, yeah. You know, because I mean, it's not fair to her, but. Uh, <laughs> I, I I don't have a. I mean, I. I'm a tech guy as far as like. I mean, I love electronics. I love sure. build electronics. I love this stuff. And I love, and I'm a futurist as well. I love reading Ray Bradbury. Just, yeah, oh yeah. Just geeking out on where we're going. Sure. Um, but I don't know if we're ready yet. I don't know if we're ready. Just humans in, in our uh, self-control. Well, it's happened so fast. It's Everything happened so has happened fast. so fast. And, yeah. You know, like understanding your relationship with anything. It's a substance like anything else. Yeah. You know? I mean, getting used to having a supercomputer in your pocket, we didn't have that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm trying to think when I got my first smartphone, but it wasn't 10 years ago yeah. within that window. Yeah. Yeah. So to think about the personal growth that it requires to be able to handle a substance mm-hmm. that's that addictive. Yeah. Especially one that that it, it, it hits our biggest pressure points, mm-hmm. which for the most part is like self-indulgence and narcissism and mm-hmm. jealousy. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, it really, I don't like what it's done to music and musicians. Mm. I like what it's done to the availability of music. I was going to say, of course. And also, you just got done saying that with logic, you have all these other. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, li- I like what it's done to that, but when it comes yeah. to the human interaction with music, I don't like uh, what it's really done. And I don't like what it's done to, I don't like what it's done to make indie artists feel like we have to do things, and I don't. Cause I'm in my thirties and I'm growing past and I don't give a shit. Right. I'm a fuck you guy. Like yeah. You tell me to do some of my first things and I'm just go fuck you and yeah. then think about it. But I wonder if that's an old cow thing too. Maybe I think it probably is. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I definitely have that. Yeah. Uh, but it just it's turned a lot of uh, musicians into thinking that they need to be more than their music. Oh wow. If they've they've. They just, there's so much. They're, they're putting so much at you because they feel like they need to because they read some book that says you need to post on Instagram five times a day. Right. Or whatever, which is just exhausting. It is. Like, I, and there's nothing, and I don't think there's anything wrong with social media either. Sure. If, you know, if used for good, so right. to speak. Right. Um, if you use it as a creative tool, like, if you'll notice our Instagram page, I try not to post unless I have something that I think that my audience actually wants to see. Yeah. Right? And I try to give them a little bit more than just self-promotion. Right. you got to promote yourself. That's what it's there for half the time. Like, you sure. know, how else am I going to tell people we have a show? Right. So th- there's that aspect. And I'm totally lenient on all that. But it's posting just for the sake of posting. Like, you, you want, I think musicians should use it for something that would really probably enrich their soul and use it as a creative outlet mm-hmm. uh, and post things that are interesting and post things that, again, like I think that they're, like give their artists, give your 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 uh, fans or your, or your audience or whatever way more just content of something you think they're interested in in their life coming from you. More product and l- less self-promotion right. as opposed to, 90% of the time I see all these cats and it's just it's it's nine posts a day and nine of them are just self-promotion and there's no goods I'm like I need more goods right. give me more goods or you know quite frankly I'm gonna unfollow you 
Right, right. Because at this point, you're not enriching my life. You're, you're, you're a nuisance at this point. Right, right. right. There's just there has to be a balance. You have to do a little bit of both. Um, you know, that's a tough balance to strike too. Well, it is, especially when, like I said, they, you, you're told all the damn time. Yeah. That, you know the way that you manipulate the algorithms to get your. Yeah. And at the end of the day, though, I kind of go. I hate saying that phrase. At the end of the day, I feel like it's way worn out. But, uh, but at the end of the no, day, I wouldn't notice if you hadn't said anything. Yeah. Now I won't stop. You're, you're gonna you're gonna kill yourself from thinking about it. Yeah. Because we say it all the time. Yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, it, it's your it's your art form, and quit pimping it. Oh. Like it's okay to sell out, if like. Uh, if somebody offers, take the money because yeah. <laughs> you're getting at least something in return for your thing. But they're they're pimping out their thing just for the idea of uh, of narcissism and and a little bit of uh, attention. Right. For what? For nothing. It's not actually getting you anywhere. Yeah, that is a good question. Like if it because there's certainly utility to it, but is it making a difference? Like, yeah. are more people? So I'm take it from the podcast standpoint. I do think more people. I, I definitely know, I know for a fact that I've reached a lot of people via social media. Of course. Right? Um, but that being said, like I've said before, I don't think, I don't mind doing it. Everyone, like, I don't mind doing it. I don't mind posting on Instagram because, again, I do think of that as a creative outlet. And right. as a writer, I love Twitter. Sure. It's the biggest challenge in the world mm-hmm. to have to condense whatever I'm trying to say to that number of characters or mm-hmm. whatever it is, even though they've gotten a lot more liberal with it, so it's not quite as impressive. Mm-hmm. But people who can do it well, and I don't think I do it well, I think I'm just not bad, mm-hmm. you know? People who do it well are so impressive. Jason Isbell uh, is the most amazing person on Twitter. Sure. Yeah. He's a genius writer, right. and he's able to say these things, and you know, I th- he almost still sticks to the 140 characters, because he right? can say these amazing things right. in a sentence or two um, that seem so simple when you read them, but that coming through my brain sure. you know and out my fingers yeah um, you're right yeah so let me rephrase it I think that it's it's more about um, doing the thing on social media that actually fits you and what your personality and what your brand is mm-hmm. and what your whatever it is that you are as opposed to just basically trying to do the things that you think you're supposed to do to build right, a brand right, 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 that right, like right. I said I told you in some book because you're right I see Jason Isbell on uh, on even Instagram, yeah. and the things that normally wouldn't interest me in even somebody famous that I really like their music, um, they they usually come across as pretty interesting to him because he's humorous. Yeah, he's a funny guy, he's and what he guy, does yeah. is it, it is it's actually enriching. Even yeah. if it's him sitting there eating dinner, wanting to bullshit to the camera, it, it's interesting. Yeah, right. And I would like to think that if he looked back at it and thought, well, that's done. Nobody wants to see that. That he X's out of it and, and, and goes at it again. Right. Um, other bands don't do that. Tedeschi Trucks Band, my friend, they don't post much. It's pretty much all just show picks, right? Yeah. Or maybe they let you in a little bit to it. Because I don't really feel like maybe that's just not their personality. Right, not them. And yeah. if they were, I would think to myself, well, that's not Derek Trucks. Yeah. Somebody's, he's doing that because somebody's, like a label is telling him, hey, you need to. Right. Right. It's just, it's not genuine. It's not authentic. And you can pretty clearly tell the difference. I mean, you yeah, can tell Isabel controls his own, sure. you know, his own social media. Yeah, very that's much. obvious. Yeah, so that's what I, that's what gets me is the bullshit. Yeah, you know, and there's there's so much of the bullshit that it, quite frankly ends up taking up like ten minutes of my day. Right. At which point I add it up throughout the year, and I'm like, I just spent like three full days this year. Yeah. Looking at this minutia. Right. That really didn't bring anything to anything. Right. 
you know, whereas there's other people that I follow that every time they post, I'm like on, you know, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm like, yeah. oh, they, whatever they post is going to be awesome. Right. You know, I mean, it, the no, you know Jeff Nolan? Do you know Jeff Nolan here in I town? I don't know Jeff Jeff's no. the curator at uh, Hard Rock. Okay. So he's got the coolest job in the world. Wow, yeah. Yeah. It's, he does memorabilia Mondays online and it's just, he's, he's, if you ask me who the coolest person I know is, you won't even finish the sentence before I go, Jeff Nolan. Wow. Yeah. Oh, and, I gotta um, meet him. Yeah, he's, he's, um, the other, he's, he's Kaylee's guitar player, has been forever. Oh, in okay. almost all of her bands. He's in the Ludes. Mm-hmm. Um, great guy. He's the best. Him and his wife, Aaron, uh, Aaron is a graphic artist here in town. They live a few miles down from here. And, um, mm-hmm. they're just really intelligent, out there, artistic people. Yeah. So everything they post is utterly hilarious. Yeah. It's just yeah. so funny. Everything. And they, they kind of come from the rock slash punk era of the eighties. So everything is, is, uh, um, it has an air of sarcasm to it. Yeah. She could post a hundred times a day uh, and I'd have no issue with it. Right. Cause everything she posts is genuinely her. Right. Right. But yeah, I, you can just tell. And I see a lot of artists that I just see them posting cause I'm like, you read that book. Yeah. I know the book you're talking about. <laughs> I read part of it too. Then put it down when I realized it probably doesn't work for me. <laughs> and you're doing that because they told you to do that. Right. But you skip the first chapter that says, everything we say in this book, don't just do it. Yeah. Do your own version of this. Be original. Right. They skip chapter one. Right, right, right. Like the chapter where it says, step one, be really incredibly good at Right, <laughs> mind-bendingly good songs that just rip hearts out. Right, and then step two, make some t-shirt. Right, right, right <laughs> they just right. make the fucking t- yeah, t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, wait a minute, you didn't see the chapter one where it says sing and key. <laughs> <laughs> right? So that's the part that you know, learn the blues. Yeah, learn the, learn how to play game. the blues. Yeah, and I mean, I battle with that because you know my band's Instagram page. I, I think we have like. You know, 150 or 200 posts on there in the last three years. And they're almost all from when we're on the road. When uh, I have some interesting content to give you that right. I think people would want to see. When we're not on the road, it's like one post a month. Because yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll try to think of something and I'll go, that's stupid. Yeah, that's interesting. I guess like what I, I post when I see something interesting that I think sure. my followers will find compelling. Yeah. And, and I think I do okay. The only, only thing that you've got me so, so in my head about it though... Because the only thing I think about that may not be that compelling is the self-promotion part. When I release an episode, I typically take a picture of mm-hmm. like my phone screen yeah. playing the episode, right. you know, so it has the logo. That's perfectly okay. You know? Yeah. That no. See, I'm not bashing self-promotion. That's right. the only way we have to promote. Right. 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 right yeah. Right. It's the only place. Right. I'm just saying, not ninety percent self-promotion, ten yeah. percent content. Make it yeah, like yeah. fifty-fifty. Yeah. You know. Well, and stories allow for something. I love. I, at first, I made fun of Instagram stories. Mm. You know, I was like, "What's the Snapchat bullshit?" You yeah, know, right. Twelve-year-old bullshit. Yeah. Uh, and now I'm like obsessed. Now I can like move. I can pin the the tag and move it around on the person's guitar and yeah. stuff. You know, Chris yeah. taught me how to do that. Nice. So now I'm obsessed, and that's great because like if I fuck that one up, it's over in a couple seconds. <laughs> yeah, and it's gone. And it's gone. And nobody thinks about it. Nobody thinks again. about it. Yeah. <laughs> I have, I have to learn some restraint on when it comes to how much time and effort I want to put into a post. Yeah. Because I'll put entirely way too much time into a that. post knowing damn well this thing is in and out of somebody's iframe and mine in 10 seconds. Yep. Like if you look on our page, I did a, um, 
I like animation and, and making stuff like that mm. creatively. So I, I built like a, like a sixty second long animation video for one of my old songs. Yeah. Mainly because I just wanted to learn this new animation program I have at the house. I was bored. Yeah. And uh, I wanted to learn this program because I like doing that type of shit. Because I'm a giant nerd. And uh, so I did it to one of our old songs. But it came out kind of cool. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, this is cool. This is post-worthy. But I mean, it's animation. So there's 24 frames a second. 60 seconds. You can do the math. It took me like like three weeks. To do this <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> and I put it on and it, you know, <laughs> done. That's it. Then yeah, everybody's yeah. on to the next 20 thing. likes. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, 20 yeah. likes and, and it's like out of everybody's feet. And I'm going, that probably was a, was a poor choice of time <laughs> management. The bang wasn't really worth the buck. Yeah, but again, that comes back to the question of that. We'll come full circle and the idea that like you did something that was artistically nurturing for you in that moment. Right. right? Sure. Like you, you worked on a skill and you learned something. Yeah. And if your end goal is, I want 7,000 new followers, well, that was a pretty poor choice of yeah. <laughs> your time. Poor, poor jumping off board. Yeah. yeah, but if your, your, your end goal was, it was the, if, if the process was the end in itself, right, right. rather than a means to an end, yep. Yep. then awesome. Yeah. yeah, and you're right. And uh, I probably need to, like, I'm pretty square in that when it comes to music, yeah. right? Because of just trial and error and because of now being in, this business for you know 15 16 years and and plenty of failures and some successes and uh, some things that were super gratifying and others that weren't I've got that at least uh, like the jumping off point when it comes to music down really good to where yeah. it's, it's very fulfilling whether good music comes out of that or not whatever that's right. in, the, in the that's subjective but um, the uh, the motivation there and it's coming from the perfect right place Everything else that I do in life, though, I don't know. It's still just a learning process, just right. like everything else. I probably fucked that up, you know. Well, because you gotta re. I feel like you gotta relearn that for every discipline. You're right. You, you do. It, it's, it's not transferable. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're just like a monk or something, you know, and like you're just you're just incredibly zen. That's right. You're centered. Super enlightened. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Oh man, yeah. dude, thank. This was so much fun. Thank Definitely. you. This is going to be great. Just I'm going to... a couple of Ocala boys. Just... Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah, we didn't even talk. We didn't get into that. No, Kevin Mayne's a... a musician, but um, yeah. folks at home, he's also the greatest nine-year-old <laughs> Little League player that has ever existed. Yeah, nine through 12. Nine okay. through 12, home run champion here. Fucking close. Frank Shacuzzi <laughs> going back and forth. Where's, where is she at? She can hear us. <laughs> yeah, I'm she sure can she hear us. Hear. She's closed. If we hear a door close. <laughs> yeah. That's what it is. These assholes are talking about Frank's jacuzzi again. talking about Frank's jacuzzi again. Peter Dupree. Can they talk about anything other than Frank and Pete? She'll never get it. <laughs> <laughs> you had to be there. It was a magical time. It was special. Just, yeah. Home runs and Christmas. It was, <laughs> it was so good. Yeah, I caught one of Kevin's home runs in my hat when I was walking around the back of the field one day. It was the it was the age of home runs and Indiana Jones. You know what a magical time. Yeah, it's just all been downhill. I know it. Fucking radio came along, ruined it. It Ruined everything. MTV, MTV, and yeah, here we are. Well, thanks for having me, man. It was it was a lot of fun. Pleasure. I'm gonna get it up soon too. Walking distance. Yeah, as part of, we should just do like one of these, one of these a week. Right. I got all this stuff in my house. We'll come over. I'll interview you for my podcast that didn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> I'd listen to that show. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Cool. All right, buddy. Thanks, man. Thanks. Yep. Cool. Kevin Maines, y'all. What an honor. What a great conversation. Such a gentleman, an incredible songwriter and player, and I'm so grateful 
for Kev to, for spending some time with us to talk about the Wood Brothers and talk about his own process and to share some of his music with us. Just such an honor, and I'm so grateful. Thank you to all of you for listening. Thank you so, so much for all that you do for us. Please, if you haven't already, go follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, Marinade Podcast. We're on Instagram, Marinade underscore podcast, Facebook.com slash Marinade Podcast. Really love interacting with people on social media, so please do that. If you haven't already, please give us a rating on your podcast app. If you haven't already, I thank you so much to the folks who have done so. It means a ton to us. Thank you so much for your love and support. Patreon is another thing that I wanted to mention. Our Patreon patrons are an incredible community of folks who I get to interact with on a lot deeper level than I necessarily do on social media or otherwise. Um, if you want to check it out, I released kind of a sneak peek of some of the kind of content that uh, we typically have on Patreon. It's now available to everybody. I, um, advanced, I sent out an advance copy of uh, Kev's cover of the Wood Brothers and, uh, and let our Patreon patrons hear that. But now it has opened up to everybody. So that's the kind of thing that we uh, have on Patreon as well as a Patreon-exclusive show called Jason's Journey, which is basically just me t- doing 15, 20 minutes of discussion about some of the pivotal moments in my creative life, people I've met, things I've experienced, um, just things that have shaped my creative reality. So if you, if you can swing it, Every little bit helps on Patreon. Thank you so much to our patrons, and uh, and thanks for, for considering giving us a little bit of help over there. All right, y'all, what I'm getting down on, I got to see St. Paul and the Broken Bones recently, and the Serotones open for them. If you haven't seen St. Paul and the Broken Bones, do it. Also check out the Serotones. Such a cool band. I finished Patriot, probably my favorite show ever on Amazon. Um, and speaking of Amazon... Man, they are crushing it recently. Um, I got to see uh, You Were Never Really Here last night starring Joaquin Phoenix. It's a film that really clips along, and Phoenix is absolutely masterful in it. I also finally got around to seeing Sorry to Bother You, and it is everything that was advertised. So incredible. Go check out Sorry to Bother You. I've been reading The Handmaid's Tale. I'm loving it. It's a fantastic book, and I also got a copy of Jeff Tweedy's memoir, and I made the mistake of reading the first couple of pages, and now I'm hooked. So now I've got these two books going. So I'm going to try to put Tweedy's memoir down and just focus on The Handmaid's Tale for right now. But those two books so far are really outstanding. I'll give you an update on them on the next in this series. This was episode 23 of The Marinade. It's part one of our 2018 in review series. And I am recording with two people today, actually. We're going to talk to Jordan Foley about Things Changed by American Aquarium. And then Luke Wagner and I are going, going to discuss Austin Lucas's Immortal Americans. And that's right after I finish doing this. So I'm so excited about the things that are happening. Thank you so much for your support. Give us some feedback on this particular series. This was part one with the great Kevin Maines. I love y'all. Thank you so much. Cheers, y'all.